what really gets my dick hard is So fucking what? Welcome to Metal Up Your Podcast. I'm Ethan Luck. And I'm Clint Wells. And this is episode number 43, where we are we are taking another trip back to visit our good friend, the Ripper, Mr. Kirk Hammett. Yeah, and this time I think we're going to be spending a little more time with, uh, what's his horror uh, alter ego? Kirk Von Hammerschmidt? <laughs> what is it? Kirk Von Hammett? No, 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 no. It's a, it's, um, it's a Kirk, yeah, Kirk, yeah, it's Kirk Von Hammett, Kirk- yeah. I said Hammett Schmidt. <laughs> Kirk von Hammerstein. <laughs> <laughs> but it's going to be similar to our James Part 2. If you go back and listen to our Kirk episode, which you should, it's a gem. It's a gem. Um, it's like our number cover- five top listen to episode or something yeah, it's like in that. Yeah, it's in our top ten for sure. And we kind of covered the meat and potatoes. We talked a lot about, obviously, the music of Metallica and his contributions, his life growing up and his family. This is going to be sort of just touching on what we weren't able to really spend time on, which is mostly to do with like a lot of his obsession with horror movies and his collection of horror memorabilia. Yeah, comic books, things like that. Yeah, it's just it's it's probably stuff that a lot of you have heard about, maybe you haven't heard about, but... You know, I mean, all these dudes in this band deserve a part two, and we'll get to all of them. And, uh, you know, it's just the extra bells and whistles about our good friend, Mr. Hammett. And I've even got ourselves a little trivia cooked up for old Ethan Luck a little later. Ooh. But first of all, let's knock this shit out of the way real quick. We're doing this really cool thing where if you leave us a positive review on iTunes, Ethan and I, thanks to the generous uh, support of our patrons have bought the new upcoming Master of Puppets Deluxe box set. Amazing. Which, if you don't know what that is, it's they've done it, one for Kill Em All, one for Ride the Lightning. Uh, they're these very cool detailed box sets. They come with three vinyl, ten CDs, lithograph, uh, cassette tape, a ton of like unbefore-released live shows. Sounds like a bummer. It's like a $200 value box set. We've bought one. And, I mean, Ethan and I don't even own one of these, by the way. No, no. So, it's, it's expensive. <laughs> so we don't even have one, but we got one through the show that we're going to give out. The way we're going to do it is if you've left us a review in the past or if you leave us a review uh, up and through the end of November, we're going to collect all those names. We're going to draw a name. And we're going to give it to one of you listeners out there. Correct. So all you got to do is go leave that review. It's real simple. The patron thing, Ethan, tell them about the patrons. You do it. Man, I'd be glad to. Well, if you go to patreon.com slash metal up your podcast, this is a way for you to financially back the show, support the show. There's cool incentives. We've talked numerous times about our upcoming covers EP, which is very close to being finished. Um, and if you pledge five bucks or more, you get access to that EP and you can't get that anywhere else. And there's a, con- a ton of other cool things on different tiers that you can donate to. And uh, it's just, you know, it's a good time over there on Patreon. So please uh, go check it out at the very least. And this week we do have some new patrons, which we're ever so grateful for this week our new patrons are dylan himes dan murphy and eric frazier so thank you guys for donating to the show we very much appreciate it yeah i mean that that's that stuff those folks over there uh every cool like extra thing we're able to do with this podcast is really only because of those people 
Very true. We were yes. able to we were able to make T-shirts and we were able to make merch and we we're able to uh, do this EP. It's just all that stuff wouldn't be possible with them. So our utmost gratitude to them. Uh, and one of the things you get if you pledge at a certain tier is we read ten emails a week. Uh, out of all the emails we get, but you definitely get yours read on the show if you are a patron at a certain yep. tier level. I don't know what it is. Go check it out. So speaking of the emails, let's get into some emails. Let's do it. Metal Happy uh, Podcast email. <laughs> no need. No need to insert the jingle this week. Exactly. Clint's got it covered. <laughs> All, All right, right. I, you want to get us started? Yeah, I would love to, man. All right, our first email is from dheim620. Oh, this is Dylan, who is a, a, a new patron. Um, All right. dheim620 says, hey, guys, my name is Dylan. I've been listening to the podcast for only about a week now, and uh, I can only listen to it at work, but you guys are seriously the best metal podcast in the world. Well, I have to agree with that. Yeah, um, no big deal. MBD. Um, kind of like how Metallica is the best metal band. I've been episode hopping, jumping uh, from albums to band member episodes, but I think starting tomorrow, I'll act like I never listen to them, and I'll start at episode one and work up from there. Smart That's man. That's what I do. That's yeah. what I do every Monday. Yeah, <laughs> yeah every Monday. <laughs> I listen to every show we've ever done starting every Monday. Yes, yeah, it's a weekly thing. Uh, Dylan goes on to say, uh, they're the first metal band I got into in 2009 at the age of only 13, and now eight years later, thanks to them, I love all thrash metal from the 80s that I hear... And, um, Excuse me, from the AC here, and, uh, and I'm joined anything from the new wave of British heavy metal. They model my love for music um, uh, and, and are the reason why I picked up the guitar, the bass, then tried, though failed, with drums. Uh, hell, Enter Sandman was the first song I learned to play by ear on a 40-year-old acoustic guitar with strings that seemed 40 years older than that. Anyway, your podcast is a hell of a, uh, has a hell of an impression on me. I'm already a patron, and I left a review on iTunes, so th- thank you both so much for the laughs I've had so far, and thank you for helping me get back into Metallica, the, back into the Metallica kick I haven't had for a while. Uh, if you ever stop in Buffalo, New York, you can add me to the list of guys that will buy you a beer, and please tell Torben and Dave I said hi. Mm, hello, Dylan. Hello, Dylan. It's so nice to hear <laughs> It's so nice to read your voice. Uh, nice to read your voice. Well, he said he's left a review. Maybe he'll win that box set. Maybe so. We and, don't know. We, we have no idea. This is, we literally sure don't know. Yeah. We're uh, fortune someone, tellers. Someone actually asked on Reddit. They were like, how are you going to pick it and make sure it's legit? And uh, I say we I do, we're gonna I, do it on video. I think we're going to have my, I think, yeah, I think we might even have my daughter choose the name, but yeah, I think we'll it's, do, it's, we'll it's do a, a video. Sim- yeah. It's as simple as us, you know, printing out all the, all the, all the names that were submitted via reviews on iTunes, cut them all up, put them in a little magic hat, and then maybe have Clint's daughter reach in there and pull out a name. Look, it's as simple as having every name of anyone who's ever left this review tattooed on our body. It's that simple, and it's as simple as having a three-year-old pick your name. Two-year-old? It's simple, it's affordable, it's painful. Yes. Uh, we'll figure it out. And the other thing is, too, once that contest ends in November, we're going to crank another one up probably in January. We don't know what it's going to be, but we're going to yeah, try I mean, to basically do those periodically just to, as a way to give back and all I mean, that we, stuff. we've been contest-friendly since day one. We're probably the most contest-friendly podcast that ever existed. I would guess. Uh, yeah, in the in in the hundreds of years that podcasts have existed, in the last century, yeah, yeah, we're probably the most giving. Yeah, probably the most giving, the most modest. I would guess. I yeah. would guess that easily. Yeah, uh, I, mean, I say humility is our best quality. Oh, one hundred percent. Julian Cueva G. Canton, who's also a patron, writes, "Hello, Clint Ethan. My name is Julian, and I'm from Merida, Yucatan, Mexico." 
New Jersey. Of course, see. For the new listeners of the show who keep hearing us <laughs> say that, that is a joke that goes back, I don't know, 75 years. At least, And it's, yeah. t- it's taken a life of its own. I don't think Ethan and I make that joke really much anymore, but a lot of people write in with it. So we're not just inserting that randomly. No, this is what people are typing to us. And by the way, I always think it's pretty goddamn funny. Uh, it's even funnier if you live in New Jersey. <laughs> <laughs> he says, Metallica is my favorite band since 91 when I first heard Fade to Black. I was 13 years old, and from that day, all the music I listened to revolved around the Four Horsemen. I've seen the boys twice in Mexico City in 2009 and now in 2017. That's cool. I wonder if he went to all three nights or just one of them. Uh, Those were good set lists. That oh, was one. Yeah. I, I think that was in one of those nights where they debuted Dream No More. Yeah, correct. Uh, let's see. He says, I've listened to your podcast pretty much from the beginning. I think the show's amazing. I've liked every episode, especially the reviews you make of albums. Can't wait for the St. Anger episode. I've learned a lot from you guys about things I did not know, like the Unforgiven 3 was an instrumental or the fact that the Outlaw Torn would sound astonishing with an orchestra. Ha <laughs> ha, just kidding. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, oh, you. Oh, you, Julian. He says, I look forward to listening to the covers EP. Keep up the good work. And if you're ever in Yucatan, Mexico, I will buy you an horchata, not a beer. Peace. Adios. Uh, well, thanks, I don't, man. I don't know what horchata is. Horchata is like a, it's made, it's like a rice drink. Um, very common in Mexico. Um, there used I'll to drink be a, a rice drink. There, it's like, um, again, it, it, Julian, uh, I'm sorry, Julian can uh, correct us, but I, I believe it's like a rice milk kind of. Uh, I haven't had it in forever. I used to go to this place. When I live in San Clemente, California, called Pedro's Tacos, which is incredible, and I dream about it every night. And they had horchata there, but it's been a long time since I've had it. So it sounds like you're describing uh, sake to me. Sake? It's like rice. It's kind of like sushi. Or not sake. What's the What's the Japanese rice drink? Uh, sake, right? Sure. I I think sake's all right. I've had it here and there. But isn't that like a rice milk drink? I don't think so. No, sake's like a. It's like you do shots of it. It's like a liquor or something. <laughs> oh Christ! I've only been in Japan one time. I'm sorry. Well, you don't have to go to Japan to know what things from Japan are. I know, but uh, I'm that's looking the, up sake. Pretty much the only time I've ever had sake was when I was in Japan. No, it's definitely clear. You either have it warm or like room temperature. Warm sake is kind of gross, in my opinion. It's Japanese but. rice wine made by fermenting rice that's been polished to remove the bran. Unlike wine, in which alcohol is produced by fermenting sugar that's naturally present in the fruit, typically grapes, sake is produced by brewing process more akin to that of beer, where starch is converted into sugars which ferment into alcohol. And this has been Clint's Dictionary Minute, brought to you by <laughs> Metal Up Your Podcast. <laughs> Crap, All right. That, that means we have to create a new jingle for Clint's Dictionary Minute. <laughs> okay. Well, we'll do it. You know we will. Okay. Of course we will. Thanks, Julian. Well, thanks, Julian. We appreciate it. And uh, yeah, I'm actually going to be in Mexico City uh, in a few weeks. Uh-oh. You and Julian need to hang. Uh-oh. Tacos. Let's do Horchata. it. Horchata. <clears throat> All right. Our next email is from Eric Thomas. This is a long one, guys. Get ready. Guys, love the elf reference in the midst of your church skills in the episode. Thanks for the email, Eric. He's talking about the Fernando comment. Yeah, that's fun to say. That's fun to say. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, well, Eric uh, Thomas, thank you for your lengthy email. We appreciate it. Uh, Danny Derry. Danny Derryberry. Danny right. Derryberry. Michael Alago, talk about the patron saint of my metal diet. I remember having played the Astro Creep CD continuously until I was able to save up to buy La Sexo Cristo. How do you say that? Uh, La Sexo Cristo, Devil Music okay. Volume 1. And just like my first listen to Astro Creep was like my first listen to the Black Album, 
my first listen to devil music was like my first listen to the back catalog of metallica that was a bit of a complicated image uh aside from thunder kiss 65 there were these were non-radio friendly songs with segments and riff changes and time changes epic listening for any younger fans whose main exposure to zombie is post white zombie if you've never listened to soul crusher stop what you're doing and look it up right now this was just another step for me down the hard music rabbit hole, and I thank Mr. Alago for help for helping bring them to a 15-year-old Oklahoma kid who didn't live in a pulse point and couldn't get his hands on everything in his local record store. Thanks for this interview, Ethan and Clint. Horns up, bitches! Horns up, bitches! That's uh, cool, man. I think, I think that's. Well, I think we need to stop recording right now and go listen to Soul Crusher, according to him. So, all right, give give us a second here. All right, one sec. Wow, that was what? fucking awesome! Whoa, Soul Crusher! Dang, crap! He was right. <laughs> oh uh, man, <clears throat> it is cool well, though that this kind of music finds kids in like the you know like I was a little Alabama kid and um, I wasn't really in a big zone for this kind yeah. of you know these bands weren't coming through my town very often either. So yeah, I, I mean I was in Southern California where nothing was happening. <laughs> There's nothing going on over there. Nothing happened. Nothing musically really goes on out here. So yeah, I'm I'm actually kind of jealous of Danny Derryberry. Well, well, thanks, thanks Danny, Danny, as always, man. Yeah, thank you. Um, our next email is from Dan Murphy. Good day, mates. Good day. Oh, I'm, just, I'm just loving this podcast, hearing all about the shows that you have been... <laughs> I guess I'm doing this in Australian accent. Yeah, I think, you, I, think you need to, I think you need to commit to it. All right, all right let me try this again. Good day, mates. Oh, I'm just loving your podcast, hearing all about the shows that you've been to and uh, are getting me so mad keen for whatever, whenever they tour Australia. Um, let's see. I'm trying to do this. If you could see me right now, I'm like tears in my eyes, trying not to laugh. <laughs> um, I'll be taking my daughter, hopefully, to her first show. Depending on uh, getting tickets, metal fucking <laughs> Metallica fucking rocks, dudes. Dan Murphy. P.S. I'll put another shrimp on the barbie. <laughs> That's not a knife. <laughs> Falsters Australian for P P P S. Falsters Australian for beer. Uh, sorry, Dan Murphy. We sound like a couple bogans over here. <laughs> PPPS Crocodile Dundee. <laughs> just, <laughs> Clint just Clint just thought of the last thing Australian he could think of. Oh, you sound you sound you sound like a bloody didgeridoo. Uh, you know. Oh my God, a didgeridoo, a hurdy gurdy. Sound, sound like a kookaburra. Hello, mate. He played the hurdy gurdy on Low Man's lyric. <laughs> well dan well, i hope i do hope that they i mean they've been kind of quiet about if they're going to go to australia and new zealand i i hope that they get to go over there i know a lot of our friends and fellow fans over there are pretty anxious to see the dudes oh i'd imagine they get down under <laughs> oh boy <laughs> you see i tried to segue out of it oh, i'll bring it right back just, in mate you just bring <laughs> bring it right back out in the bush Bird in uh, hands, bed in two in the bush. <laughs> Dan's probably just rolling his eyes at my Australian accent. I hope I hope I'm doing it at oh, least a little man. bit of justice. Well, thank you, Dan. Listen, I, I, I saw them on Australia and it was fucking great. And I'm sure they'll come back down to Australia. This is yeah, the yeah, yeah. worldwide tour, and you are part of the world. Some the way you're way down there, but you're still part of it somehow. Yeah, yeah. All right, thanks, Dan. Luke Webster writes, Hey, Clint and Ethan, just wanted to say how much I liked your previous episode with Michael Alago. It's always really interesting to hear from someone who's in the recording industry talk about any band, not just Metallica. Secondly, I thought you two would find this kind of thing funny. I auditioned for a band maybe a week ago. These people just told me they wanted to play hard rock, and I was like, all right. Turns out they meant like Black Veil Brides and Pierce the Veil emo shit. 
<laughs> well, Which I think that's that's correct. That's a correct I, pairing of words. I mean, kind uh, kind of. I mean, I, I'm not a big fan of Black Love Brides or Pierce the Veil. They're they're kind of glammy looking, like kind of like Motley Crue looking. I mean, there's metal in there for sure. Well, how many those, bands? How many bands are they going to have with the word Veil in it? I don't know. I have no idea. Uh, Black Veil Brides, Pierce the Veil, Veil the Bride, Hammer and Veil, <laughs> Veil Colorado. Uh, I don't don't know if I'd categorize them as emo to me it's kind of like uh, that Motley Crue kind of look and then there's some kind of techie metal in there but it's it's not my thing these both these bands were on Warped Tour when I did it and I kind of walked by the stage like oh cool I'm gonna keep walking that's just that's just me though well, so he says that the audition, the, the pretense of the audition was a hard rock thing. And then when he got there, they were playing this. So he says, I told, I told him, all right, I'm not into that, but let me warm up with something else and let me know if you like it. If not, I'll leave. I played the first minute of Creeping Death and converted four heathens. I have done my Metallica duty. Great well, bravo, job. Luke. Yeah, bravo, bravo Luke, for sure. spreading spreading the, the, the good news of Metallica to the Black Veil Brides and Pierce the Veil fans. Yeah. He says, P.S., have you ever walked into an audition like that? Um... I've only done two auditions here in Nashville. I, I got them both. They were both for country artists. And um, yeah. I got the first one because um, the artist's mother was there. And I was the only dude who came. I was the last guy of the day. And I was the only dude who talked to her mother. Oh, and Clint. There, and therefore got the audition because I treated her mother like a human being and actually talked that to her. Is, that is just the most precious fact I've ever heard about you. My second audition, I walked in and the artist sat on a couch and played on his phone the entire time I auditioned. Cool. And it was mortifying and I didn't, I had no idea if it was going well. Uh, And it was also a singing audition. So it was like a background vocal guitar. Ah, yeah, yeah. And we finished the first song and he was just sitting on the couch playing on his phone. And I said, should we do that again or do the next one? And it was like three songs. Yeah, he was like, he was like, go ahead and play the next one. Play the next one. He just looked at his phone the whole time. I was like, this is like the worst thing that I've ever done in my life. I know. <laughs> and then at the end of it, I got the gig. Amazingly, Amazing. he was probably on on his phone uh, researching Metallica and <laughs> checking out. He was just looking at pictures of Hetfield, just like, man, this guy's got the gig. I just want to make him sweat a little bit. I'm I, just gonna, you know. I just imagined him on his phone, like googling like boobs. <laughs> That's what I was thinking when I was doing the audition. He's like boobies, <laughs> <laughs> boobies and Coors Light. <laughs> I've I've done a, a couple auditions in uh, in Nashville. I've done two. I didn't get either of them. Um, one was a couple years ago. There was this artist. Uh, what was his name? I'll think of it in a second. But he was basically like on uh, not the Voice. He was on. Um, the X Factor, remember that show? Oh Christ, yeah, yeah. And he was like this country guy from Oklahoma, and a friend. I actually flew home because I was like so wanting to go play for somebody. This is when I started teching, and I was just hated it. And I actually used miles and flew home. In like, I literally flew in at like n- noon from L.A. or like two o'clock or something, and then did the audition. It didn't go great. It went, I played fine. It was for drums. And then I literally went home and then packed up my shit and flew back out to Las Vegas the same day. And, and I still wow. didn't get it. And it's it's all for the good because that guy didn't end up doing anything anyways. And then I did yeah. another one that went well and everything was cool and everyone was sweet. And, uh, you know, the artist was about five feet tall and I'm 6'4", covered in tattoos. And I feel like that was probably the reason she, they didn't want me. They're like, we're afraid you're going to kill the artist. <laughs> yeah. If you trip and fall on her, it's everyone's out of a job. Auditions so. are really, really tough. My advice to you out there would be uh, take any of them you can get and yeah. 
endure the nightmare that is the audition because you never know who you're going to meet on those things. You might get the gig, you might not. They're good, teachable experiences for you personally. Yeah. I mean, would you agree with all that? Like, absolutely, man. Yeah, no, I mean, you're they're awful, but even, you but you got to do it. Yeah, you'll even you know, like Clint said, you'll meet other people there, and that could be a contact for a future audition or a future gig or whatever. You know, that's right. Um, yeah. So mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I mean, keep doing it, and and I don't think. The, they might get a little easier, you know, but you never know what to expect walking into those things. You, you might no. think, oh, I've done a few of these. I, I won't be nervous. Then you get in there and there's like either a crowd of people or, or a guy on his phone or like management staring at you or oh, whatever. It's always, it's always nerve wracking, even if you're confident yeah. what you do. I, totally. I would say just always do the homework and know your shit. But I can't imagine, I mean, even at my at the point that I'm at, I can't yeah. imagine walking into a room and not being nervous because you're right. Like there's usually management present if the right. artist is there, it's almost even worse. Like I'd rather the artist not even be there, but yeah, totally. You know, anyway. honestly, I think, I think, uh, I'll, I'll take a little chapter out of, of, of the book of Luke. Yes. That, <laughs> that landed so perfectly. Nice. Let me, t- let me take a, a little, little passage out of the book of Luke. Nice. Worst case, worst case scenario, just play creeping death. There you go. Even if you're auditioning for a country country audition, (laughs) like, yeah, hang on guys. I just, that, you know, I didn't feel like that went well. One second. (laughs) All right. Well, thanks. Thanks for the email, Luke. We really appreciate it. Um, our last email is from Eric Dalliger. Dalliger. I think we've, we've, I've done this before. Dalliger. Just curious if you guys noticed, uh, the voice or voices at the very end of Halo on fire after the last note, most likely Lars, although it could be James or Rob, if they were in the room while the drums were being tracked. Thanks for everything. Eric Dalliger. Yeah. I have heard that. It's just kind of like when you're recording a song in the studio, a lot of times as the song, uh, you hit the last note and you're waiting for the symbols and everything to kind of fade out. You're supposed to be quiet. Sometimes you think it's gone on longer than it has and you might say something to someone else in the room and that gets picked up on tape or digitally. So yeah, I have heard that. Uh, I'm sure Clint has too. And it's just well, one I, of those I, little I, studio things. I had not heard it, and but I did go listen to it uh, intensely in headphones. I think it might be Greg Fiddleman. Because yeah. what he says is, is that what you wanted? And yeah. it, it doesn't, I mean, you know, Lars has a very distinctive voice. He has a Danish accent and all that. It doesn't sound like Lars. It doesn't really sound like anyone in the band. So yeah. I, I think it's either the engineer guy that's always there or Greg Fiddleman. Right. Totally. Anyway. Yeah. So th- that's that. Look how amazing are our detective skills. <laughs> Just crack the code on that mystery. <laughs> yeah. No big deal. <laughs> D- detective Wells and Luck at your service. <laughs> All right, let's talk. Let's do our part two on Kirk. Let's talk about the Ripper here. Let's do it. Kirk, the Ripper, man. He's he's. Uh, we love him, of course, as you've heard in our previous Kirk episode. Um, and just you know, a couple little quick facts. You know, I know we kind of touched on this, but you know, Hammett. He's been married twice. He was divorced during the Black Album, but he's been remarried to his wife Lonnie since '98. They got two sons, Angel and Vincenzo. That's quite a name. I wonder what the what the background of naming his son Vincenzo is. It's like a, maybe a family name. Uh, or I think it's probably probably Irish, Irish, Scottish Irish. <laughs> yeah, New Vincenzo. Jersey. Yeah, yeah. Scottish yeah. Irish, New Jersey. I, I do wonder if Vin, Vincenzo and Angel really uh, is maybe he he pulled that from his love of comic books. Maybe some character in a comic book he liked. I don't know. Yeah, well, they're both kind of Latin names. I don't know. Yeah, I'll have to ask him later when we're hanging out. 
Yeah, totally. Yeah, we're supposed to FaceTime sometime tonight. So, so one of the things we didn't really get to dive into that I, that personally I'm pretty excited about is sort of Kirk's sort of horror movie stuff. He's way and into it, man. <clears throat> he's real into it, and he he has like a really sort of uh, prestigious collection. I think he started. Well, he talks about he sort of got into it when he was six years old. Yeah, and uh, he's you know he's said he's never really stopped, and then sort of being in the band he's been in since 1982, he's sort of had the financial luxury of being able to indulge this obsession. Yeah, exactly. And he talks about how when he first started getting into collecting posters, because he has a bunch of really rare posters that that right. it wasn't really like a hot thing yet, and that he kind of was ahead of the curve on it. Well, and that's like one of those little items in in collecting, especially with horror movie stuff. That maybe for a long time, people, like you said, they, you know, he got in early before things really got to be of value. Um, but you know, to kind of have the the financial freedom that that Kirk does to be able to purchase all these things to add to your collection to grow it is pretty cool. And I don't know, that's just one of those things. Like, I don't. I mean, I collect some posters of like you know bands I like or a, a specific memorable show that I play they made cool screen printed posters for but you know he's he's taken this you know 10 steps down the line and and getting really cool rare stuff from m- movies he grew up watching and loves well he even has his own personal I think what he calls like his uh his negotiator like he has a dude who goes out and scouts all this stuff that's awesome and he has a management team like he has a whole staff of people that sort of uh manage and do the upkeep on his entire collection. I don't even think he, I think he has like a whole separate facility where he keeps a lot of it. Oh, I'm sure he, I'm sure he has a, a warehouse in San Francisco with just filled with all this stuff. Well, I mean, and Kirk also, you know, I mean, he, that, that dude's usually at comic con if they're not on tour and right. you know, he's, he's doing all sorts of horror stuff at the, at different, you know, different cons, but mostly comic con in San Diego. Um, and it's just, yeah, I mean, that dude is, is he's in the thick of it. He's not just like, yeah, I collect some horror stuff. No, he knows he's not. Yeah. He's not just like kind of like a spoiled rich guy who's like, yeah, whatever. Like this dude knows his shit. Oh yeah. Yeah. He definitely and, does. And for, he talks about for a long time, he was, he kept it private. He kind of described himself as like being a guardian of his collection. And we're right. really lucky. I think in 2012 is kind of when we started to get a taste of he was when he came out with that book, too much horror business. Yeah, totally. Which was like his posters and props, costumes, toys, and it was it was old stuff because he re, he really loves twenties through the sixties. Yeah, which yeah. I'm a huge horror. I'm a huge film nerd, but also a horror nerd. But I'm not really into that era, the classic monsters and the Universal monsters. For yeah. me, it's kind of the seventies on the real gritty shit. You like the fucked up shit. I do like the fucked up stuff, and and almost <laughs> nothing's as fucked up as the seventies. Seventies is my favorite decade of film and of music, even. Yeah, yeah, it's a, it was a good decade. What's your favorite decade of music? I mean, I know we're a Metallica podcast, but I can't put the '80s on that list. Uh, I, I mean, I can't. I don't think I can either. I would have to honestly. I'd have to say the '70s. I mean, yeah, most of my favorite artists, if not my top five or whatever, are were all all started and came out with their first record or two in the '70s. Yep, I'm the with Clash, you on that. the Ramones, Bruce Springsteen, Tom Petty, well, Fle- Fleetwood Mac, Randy know. Newman, Elton John, Pink Floyd, Elvis Costello. I mean, uh, Black Sabbath, yeah. Led Zeppelin, all the all the great solo Beatles stuff. Um, My, Miley Cyrus, <laughs> Backstreet Boys. Oh Wait, gosh, third don't record? get me started on BSB. Was it Black and Blue? Was it Black and Blue that came out in '76? I can't remember. Uh, I think it was. Oh, I know No Strings Attached, but NSYNC was '79. So just <laughs> that's right. Just made the cut. Yeah, that's right. Um, so anyway, but but what I was surprised to see in the Too Much Horror Business book is that he's got all this stuff kind of up through the 60s, but then he's also got shit like he has the Donnie Darko bunny suit. Wow. 
Do you know what Donnie, you've seen Donnie Darko, right? It's been a while, but yes, yes. This is a great Jake Gyllenhaal film, kind of a cult classic from maybe 10 years ago, a little longer. So the, that book was kind of the first thing we saw in 2012. He said it took him three years to, to kind of curate that book. And then you made notes on this on his Fear Festival. Talk, what, what, so I, well, I didn't he, know much about his Fear Festival. Yeah, well, I, uh, from what I understand, he's, it's, he's done it two years now, um, 2014, 2015. And uh, he was inspired to do this Fear Fest. It's almost like his own little con. Right. Um, he was inspired by it because at the Orion Festival, you know, everyone kind of had their thing. James had like his, his cars there and car show, bikes, airbrushing, all that stuff. Um, and Kirk had his crypt at the Orion Festival, which I, I think that's maybe when people in person finally got to maybe see some of his collection, maybe other artists uh, doing horror stuff. It was almost like his own little museum. And if anyone out there was at the Orion Festival and got to see the crypt, maybe has photos of it, whatever, please write into us, metal up your podcast well, show at gmail.com, and we would love I to would see love photos to hear. of this. Yeah, th- well, there's, there's a pretty cool YouTube video of him giving a tour right. of it. And yeah, there is. It, I mean, it, I, and I, me being bummed that all of his stuff was like this old, old stuff like old mummy frankenstein stuff he's got some really cool modern shit he's got like a prop from terminator 2 a prop from jason goes to hell he's got the one of the cool like props you know the thing in beetlejuice where uh gina davis opens her mouth real wide and her eyes are in her throat yeah he has that prop he's got like a pinhead prop that's so cool man it's really cool he's got the the face hugger from alien Jeez, it's no He's got joke, a ton- man. It, it's no joke. And you know what I noticed about this kind of watching all his horror stuff? Because we're going to get into also his his uh, exhibit at the Peabody Essex Museum. And there's yeah. a cool like 30 minute. It's not really an interview. It's like him b- giving a presentation kind of. Right. And then seeing him walk through his fear festival stuff. Or That's he called cool. it his fest evil. You, yeah. you know how sometimes in interviews, Kirk's kind of shaky. Like he doesn't seem real comfortable. He's kind of shy. Yeah. And when he's talking about horror movies in his collection, he's so confident and like smooth. That's because awesome. he knows his shit, and it's something he's loved for so long. It's yeah, really fun sure. watching him sort of like kind of thrive in that environment, rather yeah. than if he's doing an interview about guitar, like because he's kind of on record said he's not real confident in his guitar playing, and he, he says it takes him a long time to come up with solos. Yeah, yeah, and it's almost like the 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 role of guitar hero is sort of foisted on him, you know. Of course, yeah. I mean, yeah, it definitely was in the press back, you know, especially in the in the late eighties, early nineties. Well, you got guys like Ingve who were like, "We'll just come out and say, like, I'm a rock god." You yeah, know, like which is why we love Ingve. It was just a dude that was born to be a rock star, right? But Kirk's kind of like more reluctant, but when it comes to this stuff, I, he really shines. You know? Yeah, man. It's well, it's a it's a big passion for him. And it's not something that necessarily, uh, I mean, there is a talent to be finding all these things throughout your career and, and rare props and posters and stuff like that. But this isn't necessarily something that puts him on as big a stage as Metallica does. You know, right. he's, he's connecting with people that are just as into horror as he is. And, and like you said, he knows his shit. He's very knowledgeable on the history of horror films, characters, memorabilia, all that stuff. So maybe you know with the guitar playing like there's an insecurity he's always had maybe since he was a kid or back when he was in exodus or whatever but with this stuff i mean it feels like he's so knowledgeable about it that it's almost like a confidence booster for kirk and he's able like you said to come across that way when he's talking and giving presentations about his stuff yeah so so at the fear festival exodus death angel and orchid played at it yeah yeah that's pretty cool 
Yeah, it's very cool. And he, and, uh, he also, on the first year in 2014, he, uh, when Exodus and Death Angel uh, re- did their encore, Kirk came up and joined him on stage. They're like, I, I wonder I, if Kirk, they're like, I wonder if Kirk's going to make a cameo, and then they see just like a dump trunk of wah pedals backstage, just <laughs> dump them all on the deck. They're like, okay, Kirk's here. Yeah, he's going to be here, yeah. Um, and I often forget that he, I think it was a Death Angel demo he like recorded on back in the day. Okay. Because I thought, okay, I, I know we all know he was in Exodus and stuff, but I think he, re- uh, correct me if I'm wrong here, but he recorded uh, some on a Death Angel demo back in the early 80s. But, um, and I've never actually listened to Orchid, I have to say. I've not really listened to any of these bands, to be honest with you. Dude, Exodus has got some cool shit. <sighs> Maybe one of these days I'll check out Exodus. One of these days. But yeah, um, it, it was cool. That, you know, he, he had a ton of guests. Like I said earlier, it was kind of like his own little Comic-Con thing, but for horror. Um, you know, he had like uh, guests like Sarah Karloff. Um, what is that, like Boris Karloff's? kid or da- something daughter yeah so i don't know if she's okay. there maybe she does horror or she's there like kind of representing her her father who's since passed and maybe has memorabilia there for people to look at and does signings or whatever i don't know i wasn't there um <laughs> belgi <laughs> lugasi jr um greg nicotero which i thought was awesome if anybody watches walking dead he's like the main makeup artist for walking dead and i believe one of the not executive producers. He directs certain episodes too. And that okay, dude is a cool. ba- badass with horror movie stuff. If you look him up, you can see all the shit he's done. It, like his makeup work is insane. Um, well, you mentioned Bela Lugosi Jr. And he, ha- but, so Kirk has several outfits that these famous people wore in some of these films. Yeah. And I believe it's white zombie where he has a, the outfit that Bela Lugosi wore. And so to, instead of just putting it on a model, he actually had a model maker make like a Bela Lugosi and oh, the wow. dude used Bela Lugosi Jr.'s actual hands. Cause he knows that guy and actually wow. used his own son's hands to model his hands. Very cool. That is so cool. And Kane Hodder is the, they also had this, the dude who played Jason Friday, Friday the 13th. Yeah. The other know, he's K- in the Kane, Kane Hodder was, he, he, he was the, his first Jason role was Freddy versus Jason, right? Or was it before yeah, that? Yeah, he re- no, I think it was before that. He, I think it may have been Jason Takes Manhattan, which was the eighth one. He kind of overtook so it from awesome. the original guy. Yeah. But, yeah oh, and he, and he's was... in these new. He's in these new Hatchet movies. Like, there's like five of them now. You ever uh, seen those Hatchet? I, I haven't seen those. So, he's know, like an know, island for, guy. I know, I know you're like into the, like the fucked up horror movie stuff. I probably yeah. lean towards more towards Kirk. Right? I do like some '70s stuff. Like Dawn of the Dead is one of my favorite horror movies, of course. And I like that old classic stuff. Some of the like slasher shit in the last like 15 or so years, for me, it just gets so fucked up where I'm just like, God, I don't feel good now. Yeah. <laughs> you know I'm I mean? doing, I'm currently doing the, like every October you do the 31 days of horror where you watch a right. horror movie every night. And, uh, you know, I'm 34 now. I got a little girl. Like it's definitely, I definitely have a little bit less stomach for it. Like I've been getting kind right. of bummed out cause I'm like, I've watched like seven or eight in a row. Yeah, totally. I mean, I, I, I couldn't, you know, I, I didn't get into like the Saw movies and shit like that. I just, you know. Uh, the Saw, know. First Saw's pretty good. And and trivia, first date, and it wasn't even really a date. First movie I went ever went to and saw with my wife, which was like really? 12 years ago when we were just friends. Wow, crazy. We just like, went as friends, and, uh, but I liked her, but we weren't dating. And uh, I, I pr- tried to pretend to not be scared, even though I was terrified. <laughs> like, hey, girl, you want to go see some fucked up shit on screen? 
Yeah, and looks like I can pretend to be a hero. Yeah. One of my favorites, we've talked about this when you interviewed me on the Pirate Satellite, is Heather Langenkamp was there at the yeah. Fear Festival, and she's played Nancy in parts one and three and part seven of the Nightmare on Street series, and she's my all-time favorite final girl. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. If 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 you're a new listener to this podcast, I have another podcast called the Pirate Satellite, and uh, it's 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 very part time because this is very full time. Um, but go back and listen to it because Clint and I talk about his love of horror. Um, we do an unboxing of uh, my um, yeah, I forgot about that Freddy Krueger bobblehead that that is signed by Robert England. But yeah, it's cool. It's a good introduction to uh, to, to Clint here. And we you kind of hear a little Genesis nugget of what this show kind of became. Because that, I mean, that was that was pre us even. I think having the idea, or it was like shortly after. You know, we we did that episode that we talked about doing this podcast. So right. Well, the chemistry was just palpable. Oh, I mean, you is undeniable, man. <laughs> so after <laughs> so after this, so we need to talk about what he's kind of up to now. So to coincide with his new book called "It's Alive," he's. A curator at the Peabody Essex Museum in Salem, Massachusetts, is putting on. An, it's called a. It's a live classic horror and sci-fi art from the Kirk Hammett collection. Cool. Over a hundred posters, eight of his guitars, like you know his guitars with the with horror film posters yeah. on them, and also the Ouija guitar and toys, masks, sculptures. Uh, you can actually, if you live in the New England area, I don't know how long it's going on, but I think it's still going on. You can actually go see this thing. God, I would love to see that. You can also see another, they won't allow you to video it, but there's a YouTuber who took a bunch of pictures and then sort of made a montage. It's definitely uh, okay. more of his classic stuff. Like, I yeah. think he's more valuable. Like, he has like the Frankenstein poster that there may only be one left, you know? He has shit like right. that. Wow, that's crazy. So it's a lot of that mummy, you know, kind of the 30s, 40s, 50s. Yeah, the, the, the classic stuff, Dracula. super into, but yeah, dra- a lot of Dracula. Yeah, 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 for sure. I don't know. Yeah. I, I, I like that kind of stuff. Um I've never like I'm not like you like I've never really given in, uh, uh, deep to the horror movie genre, but I like that classic stuff. I like some '70s stuff. I definitely love Friday the Thirteenth and Nightmare on Elm Street series just because that was the you know that was my childhood growing up. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I mean, it's something I I, I say I would dabble in the horror movie genre. Do a little dabbling. I just do a dab, man. Speaking of dabbling. Should we, uh, I'm getting a little hungry here. Should we uh, take a little break and head into uh, the kitchen for a minute? I think we should, guys. We'll be right back. Uh, here's a new segment that I like to call Recipes with the Outlaw Torben. Thank you so much, Clint. This is Torben, and we are doing the Bloomin' Onion today from me and Lars's favorite place, Outback Steakhouse. One half cup mayonnaise, one tablespoon ketchup, two tablespoon cream-style horseradish sauce, one third teaspoon paprika, one fourth teaspoon salt, one eighth teaspoon dried oregano, one pinch ground black pepper, of course, one third teaspoon cayenne pepper, and for the Bloomin' Onion, one egg, one cup milk, one cup all-purpose flour, one half teaspoon salt, one half teaspoon cayenne pepper, one teaspoon paprika, one half teaspoon ground black pepper, of course, one third teaspoon dried oregano, one eighth teaspoon dried thyme, or as Lars says, thyme, 
one eighth teaspoon ground cumin, one large sweet onion, of course, and three-fourths cup vegetable oil for frying. This has been Recipes with the Outlaw Torben. Oh, well, Tor- Torben. You, should, <laughs> you shouldn't have. All I can't of us are, are just... Uh, we're all everyone's listening to this is going to run straight in the kitchen and make what Torben just described. And oh, I can't wait for to, us. Oh, I can't wait to try it. It sounds great. Delicious. So do we want to? <laughs> so we don't want to. We don't. We don't know Kirk Hammett personally, and the, and all that stuff. We talked briefly on our Hardwired episode about Kirk's sort of suspicious lack of involvement on Hardwired, and the James sort of dubiously talking about whether or not he really did lose his phone. We had some yeah. facts kind of about his substance abuse, but he's kind of been open about it, right? Yeah, he has been open about it. I mean, he, he, you know, back in the 80s, he, you know, got on cocaine and then... Just like everyone in the like 80s, Like everyone, yeah. Who didn't... I, I probably did it and I was like eight years old. Who knows? Yeah, for sure. Um, but uh, yeah, he ended up quitting because it made him feel depressed. Uh, it had a relapse during the load era. But one thing I thought was really cool and, uh, you know, and this, this goes with anything um, that could distract you from maybe... Get, not getting back on drugs is that he spent a lot of money on comic books because he's quoted as saying that it's more enjoyable and a, and a healthier alternative <laughs> to drugs, which right. I agree. Um, but it's kind of cool. I mean, it's just, he has that obsession. Like we've been talking about this whole time with horror movies, comics and all this stuff. And it's like, you know, maybe there was a point in his life where he was like, if he ever had that feeling, he wanted to get back into using, he would just go to the comic store and just let his brain focus on that and get some stuff and go home and read it and just, you know, get through another day of not doing drugs. Right. And, and it, and it could be argued that that's just another drug, but you know, oh, an addict's oh, an for addict. For sure it is. Yeah. But it's definitely healthier. And I think it's good when people of influence are transparent about this stuff because there are other yeah. people that, that maybe um, mythologize or idolize the rock star lifestyle. And I like it when people like Kirk say, well, you know, I, I did the whole cliche drug thing and it yeah. was really unhealthy for me. It hurt a lot of people. And now I just put all that energy into art, you know, like right, into comic yeah. books or jazz or blues or surfing or. Yeah. I think that's Reci- a positive. Me- it's a real message and it's a positive message. I agree. Yeah. And I've got a lot of friends that are, that are uh, former addicts, but yeah, it, like you said, you know, there's there's still that uh, addictive behavior that that is there you know um <clears throat> a mutual friend of ours you know used to do a lot of shit and you know he went through these phases of where you know okay uh i gained some weight so my next addiction is counting calories my next addiction right. addiction is this kind of music so i'm gonna make that record yeah you know it's just right. and or I coffee think, you know, or yeah totally man yeah and i think you know it's like you and i are you know have an addiction to certain things like you know music to me is an addiction like i can't stop 100 you know what i mean 100%. like and and that has bled into other parts of my life where I, I get a bit obsessive about things because of music and i'm thankful for it but but yeah so it's cool that you know kurt can you know and wear his heart on his sleeve with his stuff and, and get into something that is more healthier and more enjoyable and i think i think that it's a common thread with as as rock stars get older the ones who live and keep working, they tend to get sober, you know, like, right. You, yeah, yeah. you look at all the bands that are still kind of chugging away, you know, and look at James, for example, it's like you, you have to kind of the shit you do in your twenties and thirties, you got to kind of start letting go of some of that as you get older, if you want to continue doing it. Yeah, absolutely. Cause you, you definitely, you can have a lot of fun maybe with some of that stuff, but you can't endure a whole life and maintain like a family if you're yeah. living that way. 
the only person that could make it to 70 and do all that shit hard Lemmy. the whole time was Lemmy, who didn't have a family. <laughs> well, he technically he has he has a kid, but he wasn't like, you know, you know, well, you know, a wife and three kids and a white picket fence kind of kind of dad. Right. His family was kind of his his dark path in, in yeah. music. Yeah, and I don't want to ever do that. I would die way before that. If well, I did. He's an, and, and he's an anomaly. Like the Keith Richards, the Lemmys. Yeah. They're these strange anomalies that are, and they're no, you know, Lemmy is a, a, a legend and what he did changed music forever and all that stuff. But his lifestyle, the older I get and the, the way I see that, that that kind of lifestyle destroys people, yeah. I think it was pretty lame. Oh yeah, totally. I mean, you, you, people like that, you want to kind of like throw on a pedestal and say, oh, he's so badass. He did all, all this way, you know, to the day he died. You know, the only thing that I thought, um, you know, was badass about him is that it was his choice. He, 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 he lived the way he wanted to until the right. day he died. I think right. that's cool. Do I agree with the way he did it? Definitely not. <laughs> I'm not going to do that, but, um, well, and it's definitely not his fault that people think it's cool and want to emulate it. Like, I don't think right. he was trying to do that, but no, not at all. Not at all. Um, you know, anyways, enough about Lemmy. This is about Kirk. <laughs> Our Lemmy podcast kicking off January, 2018. Yes. I don't know if I could I could do another one. <laughs> Manage no. three podcasts. <laughs> Once uh, enough. So Kirk has guest appeared on a ton of shit. We didn't get to mention any of this uh, on our on our kind of part one of Kirk. So yeah, and a lot of this is stuff that like some stuff I knew, some stuff I've never even heard of these artists that he's worked with and things like that. But it's all cool nonetheless. It shows that Kirk has been busy throughout his career outside of Metallica. Um, it still makes me laugh when I see a, a long list of other appearances and stuff. And then I, you know, you hear about, you know, James being pissed at Jason for Echo Brain. It's it, like, sheds a, it sheds a weird light on the whole Jason James controversy. That or, I mean, or it's like, you know, Kirk wasn't, you know, you know, like, for instance, he, you know, he appeared on, I don't know how to pronounce this, the uh, uh, Kichigai EP, punk band by Septic Death. Um he's not joining that band and trying to make a, you know, a whole another side project out of it. I think these are just little things he's doing from time to time. So maybe it didn't get under the skin of James, like what Jason was doing with trying to make a full time band with, you know, echo brain. And, and the more I think about that, the more I really think like Q prime getting involved on the front end of echo brain was a huge mistake on everybody's yes. part. Like, Oh yeah. Because you know, Q prime is Metallica. Metallica is Q prime's biggest client. I think I think they still would have had problems if Jason had pursued other management, but yeah, for sure. But and I get Jason's deal too. He's like, well, these are our managers. These are like the people I've been working with for how you know for fifteen years or whatever yeah, since totally. he joined the band, and they express interest. He's like, I'll go with the people I trust who did do such a great job managing Metallica. But I think that it being that close to James and the Metallica machine was a big like red flag for him. Right, for sure. Yeah, I think if it was like an independent side project he did just for fun and maybe, you know, went out on a couple tours, went in there off time, it probably wouldn't have been a big deal. But yeah, but but the fact that Kieran was like, no, we this is yeah. great. We want to we want to turn this into a thing. You know? Yeah, ex exactly. So he did. Let's see. He's in the background in a, the John the Fisherman Primus video. Yep, I've seen and, that. Which he's been friends with Les Claypool for since they were kids. Oh yeah, they, they they've been they've been friends for a long time. He played on the guitar track Satan with Orbital for the Spawn soundtrack. I actually liked that movie when it came out, Spawn. Yeah, it wasn't bad. Uh, plays guitar solo on Pansy Division's song Headbanger, which is on the EP for those about... 
I don't want to read this. <laughs> I will. For those about to suck cock. Appears on the EP for those about to suck cock. Wow. That's cool. It was on Lookout Records in 96. Look, Lookout was the label that Green Day started on. So Bay Area, whole thing there. That's cool. Okay. Wow. In you still pondering, you're still pondering that title <laughs> oh wow pondering it yeah i've got my fist like below my chin i'm just doing the thinker pose there's like a there's like a dialogue thought bubble above my head but it's empty <laughs> yeah it's hmm. just three for dots those about, for those about to suck it's just an ellipsis <laughs> what does that mean <laughs> Let's see, in 2005, he was featured playing guitar roles on the Carlos Santana track Trinity alongside Robert Randolph, which that's pretty cool. Very cool, yeah. Which that invite was personally came from Santana. Yeah, that's awesome. I imagine um, Santana talking like Torpin. Would you, would you come be a guest on my soundtrack? I'd imagine he'd be like, I'd imagine he'd be like, uh, yo, Kirk Hammett, you want to come play on my, uh, my album? <laughs> yeah. That's my Hispanic accent. I'm, that's the best I can do living close to Mexico as a kid. Well, that was better than my shitty Austrian one. <laughs> G'day, I mate. Crocodile Dundee. There we go. Hey, Kirk Hammett, want to play on me record? Hey, mate, they call you the Ripper, right? You bloody Ripper. <laughs> the bloody Ripper. Uh, he was on The Simpsons. We all know about that. Uh, yes. Various voices on Adult Swim, Metalocalypse. Uh, he appeared as a guest in the Space Ghost Coast to Coast, which we've all we've all seen that, right? That was pretty famous. Yes, yes. Uh, guest guitarist on Kanon's 2006 song "If Rap Gets Jealous" off the Troubadour album. <laughs> if never Rap heard Gets it. Jealous, I've never heard that. What a title! Kanon. If Rap I've Gets Jealous, two, I've got two thought bubbles now. <laughs> one contains for those about the suck cock. One contains if Rap Gets Jealous, and I don't know which one's more yeah. mysterious. <laughs> Uh, I'm gonna, yeah, I'm gonna le- uh, lean towards if rap gets jealous. That's a little mysterious to me. I like this because <laughs> I'm actually a huge My Morning Jacket fan. After he played Bonnaroo with Metallica in 2008, he played a song with My Morning Jacket and then a couple of songs at the annual Super Jam, which included his friend Les Claypool, member- members of Gogol Bordello, and they played primarily Tom Waits songs. That was probably a less a less Claypool call. <laughs> he, he's a huge Tom Waits fan. Well, yeah. and they and both those dudes are obviously barrier dudes, and so was Tom Waits. So, um, yeah, and speak. I mean, speaking of Bonnaroo two thousand eight, that was you know the the famous you know first time they really like showed up in a tiny little club at this place called the Basement in Nashville, which we, me and Clint have both played at and been to a million times. Um, and uh, I know that like those dudes like, up, basically upstairs above that uh, venue is is called the Grimies, who's the guy one that of the owns best it. independent record stores in the country, hands down. And uh, I think there's some comic stuff in there. So I'm sure the, I know the dudes went upstairs and like went record shopping and stuff like that. You know, there's photos of them doing that. I was so pissed because I almost got to go to that. Well, we're going to do a whole episode on it. We've uh, we're friends with Grimy and uh, by yeah. way, I mean, Ethan, Ethan's friends with everyone <laughs> on the fucking planet. And uh, we're going to actually do a cool like live show uh, at the basement. But I think we're going to do it at the basement East, right? At the Basement East, yeah. Um, it's, so it's they've the, opened it's, up a second venue in the East Na- yeah. in East Nashville called the Basement East, which is a little bigger, a little more friendly to, for what yeah, we we're trying to do. Well, I think where we're going to end up doing it on the back side of this uh, venue is a place called the Basement East Pub. They call it the Beast. And there's a, like a DJ booth where we, we'll kind of be like talking to people, talking to Grimy, talking to the other owner, Dave. Um, and we're going to try to spin oh, some Metallica vinyl, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Diff it, diff it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be scratching. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. Because if, if if rap gets jealous, <laughs> if rap gets jealous, then 
listen, for those about to suck cock, let me let me tell you. I swear to God, I'm gonna try to I'm gonna try to find the wrestling boot band Hulk rules on vinyl for that fucking thing. You know, oh it's out there somewhere. God. Oh, it's for sure out there. Oh, dude, you'll be surprised how much Hulk Hogan vinyl is out there. There's <laughs> there's other stuff. I'm not kidding. I don't own any of it yet. Yes, you do. You're the archive. No, You're great. The great wrestling boot band archivist. We've I already have it on. This. I have it on digital compact disc. Okay. Okay. But um. Anyways, speaking of that basement thing we're going to do, uh, we've been talking about it for a while, and, I, and every time I go in there to, to have a couple of drinks, I talk to Dave, and he's like, let's do it, let's do it, but you know, with our schedules, it's been crazy, so I think sometime this late fall, early winter, when Clint and I are both home, we're going to make it happen, so we'll, we'll keep you posted about that if you're in the Nashville area. Yeah, if you live kind of in middle Tennessee, you should all come to that. I know we've got a, several people that have expressed uh, interest in coming, so. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um. Anyway, yeah, so uh, very cool that, that all, all that tangent was basically based around this Bonnaroo fact about, about Hammond and doing these set with the, the My Morning Jacket dudes and stuff. Um, yeah, and then, uh, as you know, we've ta- I think we briefly touched on Guitar Hero Metallica on one episode. Um, uh, yeah, of course, he's one of the main characters in it because he's in fucking Metallica, and it's called <laughs> Guitar Hero fucking Metallica. Um, but yeah, um, it's cool when you play, I don't know if you, have you ever played Guitar Hero Metallica? No. I have it. It's, it's so fun. <laughs> is it? I got way into Guitar Hero on tour like years and years ago when it first came out, and I just got obsessed with it because I was like, this is nothing like guitar, but it's so fun. And the only reason I still own my PS2, that's the furthest I went with gaming, uh, is because of Guitar Hero Metallica. And my wife, bless her, one year for my birthday, bought me a Guitar Hero controller that is an Explorer. Yeah, that's great. I, w- I would get the whole thing just for that and then never play it. <laughs> just to have it <laughs> just to have it yeah put it on the fucking wall oh yeah totally i have not bought a game system si- honestly i'm 34 i don't think i've bought a game system since i was like 15 really i, I mean i'm not I, I don't have any judgment for it at all i just it's I, it's never occurred to me yeah yeah like i said i stopped at, at playstation 2 which um, how long ago was that was that like 10 years ago or something uh it was like 15 years ago that came in i God mean i bought damn. I, b- I bought my PS2, I would say, in 2003, no, let's see, 2001 or two. Um, yeah, and and uh, that's kind of where I stopped. Like, I, I, I think I got to a point where I was like, you know what, I'm spending so much time doing this shit, and I could be making music and being more creative with my time for what was suiting my life, so... But I still enjoy video games, you know, I still, you know, I've got an em- emulator on my computer with like a bunch of Nintendo games so I can play Super Mario Brothers and hotel rooms and shit. Yeah, like anytime I see that stuff, like I saw like a little handheld thing where you can just play all the Zelda games, like right. I'm into that. Yeah, totally. But it's all, it's all pure nostalgia. Yes, of course. Yeah. Which is why I love playing like Street Fighter 2 and shit on my computer and this makes me feel like I'm at 7-Eleven in Orange County, California, drinking a Slurpee playing oh, Street Fighter. Oh yeah, Street man, Fighter. just, just at the 7-Eleven, man. Oh, uh, bro, I just fucking hit the waves down at, you know, fucking... You know, Caught fucking a 10-footer, d- yeah. point, man, and fucking ate a breakfast burrito, went and played Street Fighter 2, fucking A, man. <laughs> Did you know that Kirk Hammett makes really expensive guitar straps? He does. They started at $195. <laughs> oh, that's it. So, wait, hang on. So, they're more expensive than the Master of Puppets box set? Yes. Yeah. Maybe we'll... Uh... <laughs> Maybe we'll give away a free Kirk Hammett guitar strap one of these days. I don't know if I want to do that. <laughs> I, I know it's just so, and of course, like like any sort of high end boutique thing, they they make it sound, you know, our straps are made from full grain hides and natural material in which slight grain variations and scratches are inherent. 
That sounds like they're saying, hey, this strap's going to be kind of fucked up, and I know that you're going to be bummed you spent a lot of money for a fucked up strap. We're just letting <laughs> you know that that's how it works. Yeah, I'm just giving you this. These are signs that the hides were not altered in any way. In fact, they highlight the caliber of a leather unmasked by sanding, varnishing, and waxes. The beauty of a natural material such as leather is that it will change slightly in character with use. This is what makes our straps unique and personalized. $195, Kirk. Well, they're, uh, they're not vegan. Well, animals heard in the back of the car can have a guitar strap because, uh, uh, well... You know what? He, I, he, vegan Ethan needs to read this. Uh, our straps are made from uh, full-grade hides, natural materials, and which slight like great variations of scratches or dirt. Uh, these are just signs that the hides were not altered in any way. In fact, uh, they highlight the caliber of a leather unmasked by sanding varnish and waxes. <laughs> <laughs> I Thanks, Vegan Ethan, Ethan, for that description. That. Was that hard to read? Because it's, so, it's so much death involved in making these straps. Well, it hurt my feelings to read it and, uh, because uh, uh, I don't approve of any leather making it any way in which animals are hurt. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Um, you don't think we're going to be giving away a guitar strap? <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, it's cool that it's cool that I think he does this with his wife. I mean, it's cool that they're doing cool shit. There's I think a pretty it's cool, cool picture it, of him on the website playing a white falcon. That's cool. Yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, I, I think it's great that he gets into the things like this. You know, he released a signature pedal, signature wah, this and that. Yeah, let's talk about his. Uh, he's got a line of signature pedals that are pretty cool, right? The, the Ghoul Screamer, which is kind of his two I've screamer never, knockoff. Yeah, I've never actually tried it yet, but uh, I've seen I've seen photos. It looks cool, but. Uh, have you tried one? I have not tried one. Yeah. Maybe we should. That, you know, that would be a good giveaway. You know what? Well, you know, the problem with giving that away as a giveaway is that if it lands on someone who doesn't play music. Yeah, but they're Metallica fans. They might just like it as something cool to put on the shelf. Like, I got a Kirk Hammett signature pedal. Dude, he's got a lot of pedals. So check this out. He's got his number one, which is uh, a tube-like overdriven amp on your pedal board. Number two, much more than a precision clean boost. Number th- his, then he has a ghoul screamer, which he describes as a Swiss Army knife of overdrives. Ooh, a scuzz box, a germanium voiced fuzz with a gnarly eight bit twist, which is cool. The Fuzz Factory does that great eight bit thing. Yeah, uh, dark blood, evil distortion for gain, freaks, and the abyss, a game changing bass overdrive. Ooh. So the ghoul screamer and the dark blood are kind of the Kirk Hammett signature ones, but yeah. this KHDK company is who makes all these is is Dun- oh so it's not dunlop i don't believe it is dunlop it's called khdk electronics kirk, kirk hammett doreen kern i think dunlop <laughs> is who does his uh uh they do the wah wah pedals yeah but it looks like a lot of people play these pedals not just the kirk hammett ones but john five plays them gary holt uh page hamilton very Vernon cool. Reed, Tommy Kessler, some pretty cool players. Yeah, that's awesome. You know, we I'll should know. we should look into maybe giving one of those away as a giveaway. Yeah, totally. Well, and here's the thing: in the future, folks, we could, we don't, you know, our, our contests aren't always going to be limited to just iTunes reviews. That's correct. Because once we hit, you know, fifteen thousand, you know, iTunes reviews, we might have to stop with that shit. But yeah, we'll we think don't about be too we'll, popular. Yeah, exactly. We don't we, we don't want to be the top dog, you know. Yes, we do. Um, but no, it'd be fun in the future. You know, Clinton, I'll brainstorm, think of something, other kind of fun contests we can do, giveaway stuff like this, you know? And we're always open to suggestions, too. We are always, like a like a lovely book, open to suggestions. Yes. Uh, you ready to wrap this up with some Kirk Hammett trivia? 
I think I am. All right, we're back with yet another installment of our trivia game. Uh, if you've listened before, you know how this works. I've got five statements. They're either true or false. And we will see now if Mr. Ethan Luck knows his Kirk Hammett. Ethan, are you ready? Nope. No? Well, let's do it. Okay, great. I, I, need, some, so, I, might, I, might, need, some, I might need some help. Paul! 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 <laughs> <laughs> and don't you dare Google these because we're doing this remotely. I'm at HQ2 and Ethan's in uh, California. So I'm, yeah, I'm. I'm uh, don't you West. fucking dare! I'm not Googling a thing. All right. Number one, true or false? Kirk Hammett took guitar lessons from Steve Vai in the '80s. False. You are correct. That is a false statement. He took lessons Joe from Joe Satriani. Who? There you go. Joe Satriani, the Satch, the Satch, Satch Boogie. I used to perform an alien. Surfing with the Alien, dude. That that was a good record. Summer song. The only back then, the only like guitar shreddy albums I ever owned, and it was a very a very brief period. Was Surfing with the Alien, and then Steve Vai, Passion and Warfare. Oh my God, Passion and Warfare was a big record for me. I, I kind of want to re-listen to it because I I guarantee it doesn't hold up. Oh, I've listened to it recently, and it does. Erotic Nightmares. It great. does. For, for the okay. love of God, great. Blue Powder, great. The audience is listening, great. Do you ever get Do you ever get in a cacophony? It was just Marty in, just in general, or <laughs> just just in just in general, just general cacophony in your yeah, daily pretty, life, every day. Yeah, um, no, it was Marty Freeman and Jason Becker, and it's like the rippiest, fastest shit. You know that, or uh, what was Paul Gilbert's Racer X? Racer X, yeah. I mean, there was a lot of that shit back then. Uh, in, uh, as a young burgeoning guitar player, I got into all those guys. My favorite was always Steve Vai because he was so far out. Like I love, yeah. like he has a record called Fire Garden, which half of it he sings. Like they're like songs he oh. sings. I'm even into that. Really. Okay. Uh, anyway, okay. Back to Kirk Hammett trivia here. Number two, Kirk has his kids' names tattooed on his stomach. True or false? False. They're tattooed somewhere else on his body. Ooh, I don't know how to. It, it is false. I don't know if he has his kids' names tattooed on his body, but that tattoo I'm... on his stomach is where he was born. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of like his. Cholo tattoo on his stomach. It's bitching. Yeah. Uh, all right. So I guess you do. Win oh wait. That so one. wait. So does this stomach tattoo st- say America? <laughs> no, it's like the city or something. I know. <laughs> America. Uh, USA. United States. I want that tattooed across my stomach. Somebody has that. <laughs> oh, uh, many people from Alabama probably have that. Yeah. Probably, and they're probably all my relatives. Number three. One of his, one of Kirk Hammett's all-time favorite solos that he has played is "Hero of the Day." Uh, true. That is true. He's quoted as saying, "Every time he hears it, he thinks, damn, that's awesome.' <laughs> damn, that's awesome." Well, <laughs> <laughs> Papa, is that you? Sometimes when I'm thinking about what the best Kirk Hammett solo might be, uh, I think about, though, well, could it be Ride the Lightning? Could it be Injustice for All? Could it be Dyer's Eve? Could it be Disposable Heroes? And sometimes you gotta go with the Dark Horse, and sometimes that Dark Horse gonna be Hero of the Day from the Load Record in 1996, now. Well, Papa, thank you for that. 
And a lot of people prefer him to performance what he did it on the S&M, which stands for uh, Symphony and Metallica. I don't watch a lot of uh, S&M otherwise. I just stay away from that, okay? <laughs> That's of the devil. It's, it's of a certain caliber that I don't like to mess with now, okay? Now, what you do <laughs> behind closed doors and you're your own home, it's fine with me. But uh, I prefer to just listen to the music, Ethan. Well, Papa, thank you for that insight. I, we, we, myself and the listeners, really appreciate that. Okay, number four, which I think you've gotten all these. Yeah, you, that, you're, yep. you're three for three. Number four, Kirk Hammett's all-time favorite band is Led Zeppelin. Mm, I should know this. True. Ooh, false. All-time false. favorite band, UFO. UFO, damn it, I should have known that. That's right. <laughs> damn it, such an idiot. <laughs> Don't be too hard on yourself, bro. Ugh, stupid. <laughs> God, I hate myself. Ugh. I hate Kirk <laughs> I'm going to delete this episode right away. I hate UFO. God damn it. All right. Three for four. Let's see if you can uh, maintain a, a, what is it? A B average here. Uh, number yeah. five. The last trivia question. True or false? Kirk Hammett's most famous contribution, Inner Sandman, the riff, was inspired by Soundgarden. True. True. It was inspired by the Louder Than Love record that he was listening it to. It was, at the time. yeah. Well, you got four out of five, Ethan. That's pretty good. Hey, I think that's the best score I've gotten so far. I think the last two I <clears throat> I did were three out of five. Uh, yeah, feeling good, feeling great, we'll man. Make I, a, uh, we'll make a legitimate Metallica fan out of you yet, my friend. I, I can't wait, man. I well, I'd, first of all, I'd just like to thank Clint for doing this podcast with me. Uh, <laughs> I'd like to thank my dad for getting me into music, which led me to Metallica. Yeah, and uh, most of all, you know, it's to you, the fans. I wouldn't be here without you. That's all I got. That was that was really beautiful. <laughs> yeah, that's just a, that's just a preview for when I get inducted to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Yeah, next next month it's gonna be Clint, my dad, and the fans. <laughs> Did you see that Judas Priest has finally been nominated? Yeah, there's been a couple cool nominations this year. Raging Against the Machine is in it. Radiohead. Um, yeah. Which Radiohead's in my top five favorite bands. Yeah. And unless you think Radiohead is not a fucking rock band, you need to go listen to a little record called The Bins. The Bins is fucking awesome. I'm not a huge Radiohead fan, I, I and you'll hate me for this. I think a lot of the, the, some of their stuff is overrated, and I think Tom York could fart in a fucking pint glass and call it an album, and people would lose their shit over it. That's just my mm. opinion. I know, those, I, know those, I know those are fighting words. Um, <laughs> boo. Boo. but the Benz, Pablo Honey, OK Computer, there's a lot of good shit in there. Yeah, and you know I get it. It got real arty, and and uh, I would even use the word maybe even pretentious there after OK Computer. Yeah, uh, but the reason I highlight the Benz is that it's from 1994, and it's just a straight up fucking rock and roll record. Absolutely, it is, and so man. is Pablo Honey, really. But yeah, but I, I would recommend if you're going to check one out, check out the Benz. Definitely. But finally, for Judas Priest, I mean, watching the Metallica um, induction in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, that you know, James takes the moment to mention several bands that he thinks should be in, which yeah, I thought all, was really all, all cool. The, yeah, it was all their influences, and it's cool that like a lot of people he mentioned now are. Yeah, Rush. you know, it looks like we're going to get Judas Priest. We got Kiss. 
I think he mentions uh, Deep Purple. I wonder if like James and Lars will induct them if they actually get the nomination. Ooh, that would be cool. Well, didn't they already do Sabbath? I believe was it Sabbath? I think they did Sabbath because remember we okay. met that guy in Detroit who went to the induction. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it does shit. That doesn't mean they can't do more. But I don't know else yeah. who might do it other than them. Yeah, I have no idea. I or mean, maybe it'll just be like James, or maybe just Lars instead of the band. Yeah, yeah. I'm down for either one. So if Juice Priest is getting in that thing, I know, I know, I would like to nominate James and Lars to induct them. I would like to nominate me and you to be personal guests of Metallica at that induction. That's a great nomination. Yeah, I, I'm going to go ahead and take it upon myself to do that. Sounds great. <laughs> All right. Well, that well, was cool. fun talking about so just fun. more of the more of the sort of uh, more outside aspects of our one of our favorite guitar players, Mr. Kirk Hammett. Yep. I mean, here's yep. the deal. Let's let's wrap it up with a love letter. Um, a, a lot is said about <laughs> dear Kirk, dear dear diary. A lot said about Kirk, and um, there's a lot of uh, a lot of people who think he's not as good a player anymore, or he was one of the weaker links, or you know, there's a speculation about his involvement in the records and blah, 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 blah. Here's what I'll say about Kirk Hammett. I think he, for me, is as essential to Metallica as James and Lars. Yep. And I think anytime he's involved in writing, he elevates their music. Yes. And I think his guitar, I think in every area that really matters, composition, technical ability, songwriting, riff writing, and, and just like being a person that is inspiring to me and an interesting cat, he hits on every level for me, and yeah. I can't imagine Metallica without him. Same here. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I couldn't even, it's hard to even picture like another guitar player instead of Kirk. I mean, he's been there since the first record. Yeah, and everyone's be like, oh, Dave Mustaine was the original. Yeah, yeah, so we all know that. That's fine. But, but guess what? He's not there. I Kirk's there. I can't picture Dave being in this band, dude. Like, I think Dave is more likable than I formerly thought. I, I watched a bunch of Dave Mustaine interviews the other day for some for some reason. Nice. And, uh, <laughs> He's just kind of a grumpy dude. He is, yeah, no. And he's really I mean, like inward and like I don't. I just can't imagine him being in Metallica. I know, me too. I mean, I, I mean, he's a really, really nice dude. I mean, I hung out with him before, and he was super cool. Yeah, but, he seems cool, but but it, it, it is it is weird to to look back at the music we all know and love that Metallica's put out, and then think about what if Mustaine was on those records. I mean, they obviously would be way different records. Who knows if the Black Album would even have been the Black Album or puppets been puppets you know um but you know you're, you're exactly right i mean like kirk is as essential as those other two dudes that you know started this band yeah um i i i back that 100 percent. you know and you know what if yeah if he's gotten older and his guitar skills aren't as great as they used to be guess what that's real life you know yeah. um but i mean look at look back on this dude's career and it's a jaw-dropping career it's amazing well, and that's and I, I feel like that applies to Lars too, in the sense of like people are like, oh, he he butchered the machine gun double kick at one. I'm like, he fucking wrote it, exactly. And he yeah. and he he's the one who laid it down on the record. So he's yeah, in one take. He so you know he's the he made it out of nothing. So the, yeah. if anyone has carte blanche to sloppy Joe it up, it's those cats. You know, uh, I often do because ever since we started this Metallica podcast, a lot of friends will either make comments to me or ask about it, whatever. But anybody that's ever like, dude, Lars fucking sucks. I, I hate Lars and blah, blah, blah. And like, what do you think? 
And I, I don't even respond. Just go, just go listen to our Lars episode and you'll know. Yeah. <laughs> like, we have a document now where we can just refer people to. Exactly. Uh, and the same goes for Kirk. You know, if someone's like, Kirk Hammett, blah, blah, blah. Uh, hey, you know what? Go listen to this episode and you'll know what we think. Yeah, and I think on our original, our Kirk episode part one, we even did like our top five Kirk solos. That was really oh, fun yeah. to do. So totally. go check that out if you haven't heard it. And uh, let's just end by reiterating the contest we're doing. If you leave us a positive review, you're going to get a chance to win that uh, Master of Puppets deluxe box set that comes out yep. on November 11th. We're going to draw a name at the end of November. It'll be kind of a Christmassy type gift. Merry uh, Christmas. <laughs> Happy Hanukkah. I already know what sound uh, what what uh, I'm going to insert when we edit that episode because it's Christmassy. I can't wait. I love Christmas. Okay, it's my right on. It's my favorite. I'm not a big fan, but well, I'll have well, you'll have to have double the excitement to make up for me. Oh yeah. Oh, don't worry. I will. Uh, if you want to become a patron, go check that out. It's Patreon. P A T R E O N dot com slash middle up your podcast there's all sorts of different tiers there go check them out we got this ep that'll probably come out around the same time we give away this box set and uh what else we got you know we do a bunch of cool stuff on instagram and twitter like every day yeah. so if you're not following us there you're missing, you're missing out, out on some fun stuff yeah. and i'm back on the road and i had a pretty first hectic week of tour but uh the rest of it's pretty smooth sailing so i'm gonna i'm gonna get a little more active on that stuff too uh but uh, yeah, I mean, you can find us on our socials, you know, all that BS, just search Metal Up Your Podcast on any of the social media things, and we're probably there. Um, yeah, I mean, that's all I got. You want to reach out to us, Metal Up Your Podcast Show at gmail.com. It's the easiest way to get a hold of us. And uh, I think that's about it, Clint. All right. Well, thank you to everyone for listening. We really appreciate it. Of course. And we'll see you guys next week. All right. All right. Peace. Adios. <laughs> Or what would you say? Then I would say, delete that. <laughs>